Welcome to Roots and Sparks, hosted by me, Corey Ozer. In nature, roots nourish, give life, and connect. As humans, we draw energy from our roots. In times of change and uncertainty, our roots help keep us grounded. We will talk with people from around the world who draw strength from their roots while forging new connections as they create small sparks of hope, inciting us to imagine a kinder and more just world. My guest is Dr. Rodrigo Barraza, an anthropologist who studies gender migration and works with grassroots leaders in Latin America as co-director for the Americas with Global Fund for Children. As part of this work, he encourages men to reflect on what it means to be a man, what society tells men they should be, and how transforming rigid norms of masculinities can contribute to gender equity and foster deeper human experiences. What were some of your early memories of being told that there were certain ways that you should act as a male? Okay, thank you. Thank you for the question, Corey. Uh, well, I remember feeling confused about gender at a very early stage, you know. Um, I remember having all these questions in my mind and, and I was... I wasn't sure why people were reacting in the way they, they did, you know, when I expressed some emotions or some ideas or, or some thoughts. I remember when I was just a little child, I, I really loved to dance and I really enjoy ballet and ballet dancers, you know, and when oh, I, wow. <laughs> yeah, and when I expressed that to my parents, it was like a big drama, you know. And they told me, well, maybe you need to see a psychologist. Maybe you should talk to a priest even. Oh, wow. So I remember having all these questions. And I remember the main question that I had is, what am I doing wrong? You know, why this is so problematic? I just want to dance. I just love to move my, my body and things like that. Another uh, small story that I have to share is um, I, I, had, I have cousins I have male cousins, and I, uh, I, when I was a little child, I was very, you know, very touchy and very. I love, I love to hug people. I love to really express my my love, like in a physical manner, like hugging or, you know, touching hands. And I remember that my parents told me, "You, you can't do that. You can't do that with with men or with women. With men, it's strange. With women, it all it also can be weird." So to this day, I, I'm, I'm struggling, you know, every time I need to express my, my, my emotions using my body, I, I still don't know how to do it. Because, uh, again, from a very early stage, I, I started to receive all these messages that you can't do this. You can cry. You are a man. You can't, you know, you can't like this kind of music. So I think from the moment, almost from the moment that I was born, I, 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 I've been told that, okay, you can do this. This is how you should act, you know. It's like there's, there's like a script for me, you know, that was already written and I just need to follow that. So, so yeah, I, I think like all my life I, I've been questioning, you know, these, these norms, these stereotypes, these, uh, these guidelines that people try to, to impose you. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. It's 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 something how limiting these norms and labels can be with the whole range of expression that we might have in our lives and how that starts so early. You know, those are that's a really powerful story. And I wonder yeah. about um, some of the men or some of the more important men in your life growing up. How did they either reinforce some of these messages you're talking about? Were there any men who challenged the norm? in any way for what you were being told was so-called normal? Yeah. You know, one thing that I'm, I I learned through, through time is that we are very complex men, you know? And and you, you can find like this complete 100% stereotype of a macho man, you know? And, and but on the other hand, you are still repeating some patterns, patterns, some gender stereotypes. So, for example, like my father, it's a very important figure for me. You know, it's a very important role model, and I was always seeing like both sides of him. You know, on one hand, he is a very kind person. He's a doctor. He's always willing to help, to listen. You know, I remember he participate a lot in the house, you know, cleaning and doing different different uh, chores in, in the house. But at the same time, he, he, he and on occasions and at moments, he, he, he was very angry and he was very, you know, he fit right into this uh, more traditional idea of a man. I remember he was always very quiet, but when he was something to, to say, that was the final, the final statement, mm. the final thing. You know, it's like enough, and mm -hmm. that was enough for me, for my, for my mother, for everyone. You know, so I remember uh, that I, uh, when I was a little child, I didn't know how to feel about them on occasions. You know, because I was seeing that he was making like small fractures to this more uh, traditional role, but at the same time, he was repeating that. You know. And, and another important model for me was my my grandfather, you know? He was more like a traditional man. He was an alcoholic. He had different, you know, um, girlfriends and, and mm -hmm. women in, in his life. And he was always making fun of me, you know, because, you know, I, I used to have long hair or because I put some certain type of clothes or something like that. So he was like a very, also very important because I, I saw that my father respect, respect, respected him a lot, you know, and we often go and visit him and spend some time with him. But at the same time, I remember thinking and feeling that he was like a strange uh, person to me. And the same with my father for, for some moments in my life, you know, because he worked a lot. And I remember every time I, I woke up and I had to go to school, he he was already gone. And when I when it was my time to sleep, he was still working, you know. So I was I remember that for weeks I was like, okay, I I I get to see you from time to time on weekends, but that's it, you know. So it's 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 weird, you know, because and you feel guilty and you feel strange because you love them, you mm. love them so much, but you feel you you feel that you don't know them, 
and and and, and that's that's weird you know but at the same time and and it's important to work on that because if not at the end of the day you you just uh you can repeat what they did in terms of work in terms of you know adjusting to certain stereotypes uh but yeah i think if i have to think about you know role models or or male figures i i have to talk about them and then other friends and my aunts but i remember that for me my most important relationship uh was with them mm, yeah i think that's a great example of the complexity you're talking about that it's hard to find people who are fully living in stereotypes there are nuances to how they present and i'm curious about your father then have you seen any changes in your father and his uh relationship to gender norms as he's aged and as you've become an adult in comparison to when you were a child Yes, I think right now we we have a great relationship. I think he's willing to change and that's very important and that's why I do the work that I do. You know because I truly believe that men can change. That they just need spaces to talk, to feel heard, to feel valued, to feel recognized, to feel that that it's okay to express uh, other um ideas of masculinity so their attitudes about masculinity so so yeah but and that was a very good piece of learning from me Cory that uh it was also in a way my responsibility you know because i was always complaining okay i don't have a good relationship with my mm. father my father it's not you know sharing things with mm. me but then i realized but i'm i never asked them as ask him anything you know I, I never made an effort to really get to know him. So when I when I told him, uh, please, Dad, could we can, can just go uh, and grab a cup of coffee and please tell me about your life, tell me about your career. What did you decided to study? You know, what did you decide to be a doctor, to become a doctor? And when I started to ask him these like more deep questions, I think my relationship changed. You know. So yeah, I know that she's still struggling with things, but now that I have space to also explain some ideas and explain some of my work and and ask him questions about his childhood, you know, um the relationship changed changed a lot. Mm, that's special to hear about that evolution and I can relate to that somewhat. I had a chance before my father passed away to record a story about his life and to talk with him about some of his choices and how his life had been and that was a really powerful moment and luckily quite a while before he passed away so we had more time to develop that relationship so I'm glad that that's continuing for you yes i remember then uh not so long ago a couple of months ago i decided to to write him a letter you know mm. just 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 saying him like okay i love you and i uh, i i'm sorry because sometimes i i think i i i judge you too much you know but i'm going to make an effort to try to understand you a bit better and you can rely on me i'm here from i, I i'm here for you in case you need anything you're not alone you know 
and I had the chance to to read that letter to to my father, and it was a very emotional, but at the same time very powerful moment. You know, I think he really needed to to hear that he's not alone because sometimes in many occasions it's how we how we feel as men. You know that we are alone, that we can ask for help, that we 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 don't have a shoulder to cry on or to. You know, we, we, we can't do that. So for him just to hearing hearing that, I think that was very powerful and my, my relationship my relationship changed a lot after that. Mm, wow, yes, it's almost like that the stereotype of being strong or of having to carry all the weight of responsibility on your shoulders. And that's a really powerful story because considering that many people have that wish, maybe after a parent is no longer alive, wishing for the things they would have said or writing a letter to someone when they're no longer there and you were able to do that with your father present and to build and strengthen your relationship. That's that's beautiful. So turning a little bit to your context, I know you live in Mexico, you grew up there. Could you talk a little bit about the traditional cultural and social norms that surround what it means to be a man within the Latin American context? Sure. And, and that's, that's a very good question because again, I, I want to uh, go back to this idea of, okay, gender and men and masculinity is such a complex issue. And I'm not just talking about concepts or academics or theories or things like that, but our own lives are very complex and very complicated and, and the rules that we have to follow, you know? For example, in Mexico, we have all this macho culture and we, the best example of the macho culture here in Mexico is the, the rancheros, it's, it's the name, no? And it's also like uh, you have all this uh, music called rancheras and it's, it's very weird, you know, because rancheras are very popular, but at the same time, they are always repeating and reproducing gender stereotypes. Okay, I own you, and and yes, I'm the best, and, mm -hmm. and you're never going to find anyone like me. But at the same time, they are really sad, you know, and they are like, I can live without you. And, and when people mm -hmm. sing the rancheras, they are crying and saying, yes, but I need you. You know, and that's that's the that that's a very unique thing of, of the masculinity in Mexico. You know, it's like you are a macho, but at the same time, in that context, you are allowed uh, uh, to express your feelings, and you can cry over a woman, but at the same time, hmm. it's a way to say yes, I, I'm crying, but I'm still, uh, you know, I, I'm still your man, and you're still you still have to respond to me and and do many many things for me you know so um it's 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 like that in mexico we are following and, and the most important part of masculinity in mexico is is family you know you have to be a family man you have to be for your family family is the most important thing uh, for you and it's the most important part of you and it's really cool. It's beautiful if you think about it. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's a lot of responsibility. And you have, you, you have to be the provider and you need to have all the answers and you need to be confident all the time. 
you have to respond for 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 everyone in your family uh, and and at the same time another way to represent uh, masculinity is mexico is that you have to be a stone you know you have to be like a stone you have to be mm. uh strong you have to be in one place you have to be you know uh uh, with with all the answers all the time, so it's um, it, it's very similar to other to other cultures. Really, that's how gender operates. Mm-hmm. We we, mm-hmm. we we share different perspectives, but, but for me, that you know, again, that complexity between yes, you need to be a strong man, but at the same time, you can cry over a woman. You can show show uh, other other people that you care it's fine but you can't uh, also renounce to all the other aspects of your own masculinity um, and, and death that's another very important uh, relationship that we women created from a very early age you know that it is it's a very important part of mexican culture we have the day of the dead and day mm. and death it's like a daily thing so in order to be a man in Mexico, you need to really, you know, make make pieces with that and say, this is going to happen. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to take care of my health. I'm not going to do anything. You know, I'm, I need to have like all the time a close relationship with that. I need to accept that and embrace that and not run from that. Uh, because again, if you're just uh, going to the doctor or if you're taking care of your health, it's like, no, no, no. You're a man. You can't do that. You know, let you have to let that surprise you. <laughs> mm. uh, and yeah, that's a lot of pressure. I think that men are putting on themselves to not only know everything, be strong, not show emotions, not take care of yourself. That's yeah, it's a weight. So. Thinking back then, it sounds like when you were very young, you were not so rigidly attached to certain norms or you were exploring within the context that you were that you were growing up in. Was there a point as you were becoming an adolescent, a young adult, that you began to really question some of these norms and the path that your own life might take or your relationship to them as you started to become, to, to transition from being a boy to a man? Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, it was quite the opposite, Corey. You know, mm. I think when I was a little boy, even if I was receiving, again, all these messages that you have to do this and you have to do that, at the end of the day, uh, adults uh, say like, okay, you're just a boy. You know, you're just uh, experimenting with things. You're just experiencing things. So that's okay. But when you, uh, you know, grow up and and and, and become a, a teenager or something like that, you, I remember that I felt more alone than ever. You know, because it's that it's that time when everyone told mm. you it's time to really mm. stop to this to this model. You know. Uh, now you can see all the consequences if you don't do that, you know, because you start receiving bullying from other from other men, uh, preaches from adults, and and you're just seeing the consequences even with, with girls or with your you know with with your loved ones or when 
the subjects of, of your affection, you started to feel more and more isolated, you know? And, mm. and that's the time and that's the, the most tricky part or the most painful part is when you have to put the mask completely, you know? Because from a very early age, you are, you know, receiving all these messages and you're just, okay. So I think I just need to pretend that I'm someone that, that I'm not, you know? Mm. I, I just need to pretend that I don't like to dance, you know? But then the mask become who you are. And that's the painful part about masculinity, you know? It's okay. And, and it's sometimes it's a, it's a bit controversial, you know, because people often think, okay, masculinity and men, you have all these privileges and power. Right. And it's like, okay, let's, let's talk about that in a more intersectional way, you know? If you are a white man living in a developed country, uh, you are going to have power, but it's not the same if you're a black man living in the suburbs or if you're living, you know, in, in marginalized cities in, in, in Mexico. You're always also suffering. Masculinity at the end yes. of the day is a mask and it's a womb, you know. And, 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 and when you are a teenager, when you are a young man, it's when you, it, it's when you have to decide, you know. It's time for me to rebel and deal with the consequences of not uh, attaching myself to these gender stereotypes, or, or it's it's the time to to really put the mask, you know, and live through the mask. So you have uh, these two choices, and and you have to deal with many many consequences and, and many uh, painful situations um, if you choose one or the or, or or the other one. You know, you don't have a right or, 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 or the best choice there, you know. Uh, if you choose one of those, if you choose one of those, you're going to deal with some with, with some consequences. Hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure being pulled in these different directions. And I'm curious, at what point did you start to sense as you became a student, were getting involved in the working world, that there was starting to be a broader movement where there are other, other men or other currents challenging some of these norms, that it wasn't just you and your story and your family. When, when did you sense that there might be something broader? Thanks, Corey. That was a very important moment, you know, because as you... As you said, for a while I was thinking, you know, maybe I'm the only one feeling this. Maybe there's something wrong with me, you know. And, and I remember when I was studying anthropology and I and I heard this term gender, you know, gender and feminism. And people started to explain things to me and I started to read different things. And I was like, wow, you know, all my experiences have a name, you know. It's like, okay, I can relate to these situations and with these questions and with these fights and struggles. So that was really good, you know, me starting the, the university. And, and, you know, but again, it was such a complex time because that was the moment when I was feeling very, very alone with my most immediate relationships, you know, with girlfriends, with my parents, with, with friends. Mm. But at the same time, I, I found a new circle and I found and that I, I had space to, to ask questions that I, I was allowed 
to ask questions. And then when I started my activism, working with different human rights uh, groups and, and, and working uh, with migrant population also, I remember that uh, I, we, we received a training on theater, you know, theater of the oppressed. It's a methodology that is very popular here in Latin America. Mm. And I remember we, we had a small group just for men and we talk about gender and we did some exercise and I was like, yes, I, I think I, I found my space, you know, I found a safe space for, for me. And then the second thing that I thought is I, I really need to, to share this with others. You mm. know? So, so that was, that's, that was the moment when I started to, to think, okay, maybe I can, you know, try to promote this, this, these conversations and I, maybe I can try to talk to other men just to, you know, share questions and share ideas and share a bit about my past. And I realized that we had lots of things in common. And that's, you know, that's the most uh, amazing thing for me, Corey, that I had the privilege to talk with men from Africa, the U.S., mm. other parts in Mexico and Latin America, and we can always find spaces for recognition, spaces of love, spaces of care, and that's very important, Corey. One one of the most important learn learnings from me, and again, without saying, I don't want to do the opposite and say yes men are victims and uh, for, mm -hmm. you, you know we are exercising power we are uh, reproducing violence at, at different levels yes that's true i can i can accept that but at the same time talking to other fellow men i know that we have lots of wounds i know that we have lots of pain and that we need to talk about that we need to find love you know because if we're just to if we're just going to find um, other spaces to, you know, to say, yeah, but why do you need to do this? And, you know, spaces of violence, spaces for recrimination, we're just reproducing again the system. So it's, it's tricky and it's hard, but if we can just make space for both statements, you know, yes, men are violent, men are powerful, men are, you know, using privilege in harmful ways yes we can i can relate to that statement but at the same time i can say yes but men are wounded and men need safe spaces and men need to talk about their past about their their needs you know so it's it's a matter of always try to recognize and work on both levels you know Yes, no, I think there's been so there's been so much focus within the feminist movement around those spaces for women's solidarity and sharing. And so thinking about how you can still see the harmful effects of patriarchy, but also recognize that those spaces of healing and coming together are as important for men as well. That's really Powerful. So then it's an interesting tra trajectory as you're starting to recognize that there is a potential to think differently, to engage other people. And I think that you're certainly not the only one. And I know in 
popular culture that we start to have a sense of more questioning of masculinity, even these phrases like toxic masculinity starts to be something that we hear more frequently in the media. And I wonder if you could share a little bit about what is happening in this larger context. Do you feel like there is a, a movement in some ways to rethink what masculinity looks like? How, how do you see this overall evolving in the larger context? Sure, thank you. Um, yeah, I think uh, nowadays we, we as men, um, we, we are being constantly pushed and challenged, you know, in a good way. I think all the, the fights and all the learnings from the feminist movement are, uh, you know, priceless. In a way that, yeah, we realize that, okay, the way you are acting as men is harmful and is killing us and is killing you, you know. So we, I think we as men, we needed that external vision and external advice, you know, uh, other other people to telling us uh, and, and other genders and other identities telling us, you know, this is again using your your words. This is toxic, you know. This is killing the world. This is hurting everyone, including you. So I think the feminist movement was a blessing in a way, and also you know we have more freedom, uh, more sexual freedom. We now we have different genders, different expressions, different mm. identities with, and and that also challenge us as men, you know, and challenge all these rigid roles, this binarism that, okay, uh, men, women, uh, different things, different worlds, separate universes, and that's it, you know? Now we have much more complex narratives that are more, you know, more, more close to our real lives and the real experiences, you know? Now we know that sexuality and sexual identity is a spectrum, you know, mm -hmm. and that's important to acknowledge. And that's a victory from all these movements, you know, all these sexual and reproductive rights movements. That was very, very important. And again, also because, you know, with all the precariousness that we are experiencing, we're experiencing and, and, you know, now that women um, are in, in charge of, um, you know, um, uh, working and things like that. Now that it's not just, okay, I'm the man and I'm providing and I'm the chief and I'm the head of the family, you know, uh, right. women are also challenging that because the world right now requires, you know, contribution from both sides in terms of uh, income, in terms of money, you know, but at the same time, women started telling men, okay, yes, I'm going to work and I need to leave the house, but you need to really be responsible about the things that are happening in our house. You know, you really need to take care of men, of, of uh, children. You really need to be more corresponsible with this different, um, with this life that we're building together, mm. you know? So, so that was a blessing. And I'm seeing this space. I think we're just, you know, we're making... Um, baby steps right now. We're just recognizing that we need to talk about this. But at the same time, um, yeah, we need to be very cautious, Corey, because um, 
with all this patriarchal system that we are living in, you know, it's so easy and it's hard, you know, you need to fight your ego because if you're a man and you start talking about this, you're going to receive all the recognition in the world. You're going to have all the spaces to mm. talk and you're going to, yes, you are a hero. You're not <laughs> a hero, you know? You're just trying to make your life better. Maybe you're being selfish at the beginning, but then you realize that you can also help other people. But you're just trying to, you, you know, to respond to these new challenges that we're facing in terms of, you know, the shrinking of the civic space and all the violence that we're seeing and that it's, you know, really uh, hurting our bodies. It's marking our bodies, you know, it's creating wounds again, it's creating scars. So we're responding to that. So yes, I think there's, now there's a space, you know, but at the same time, we as men need to be, you know, really responsible with those spaces because, you can so easily, you know, take spaces that really are not for you, you know, and you can start just talking and, and feeling that you are the spoke spokesperson for the gender movement or for the feminist movement mm. and that you deserve to be in the same space. No, I think that the most important, um, the most important thing right now, it's just recognize that we are learning and now there's a space to learn you know, but at the same time, we have so, so, so much to learn. And, and, and first, we need to listen, we really need to share up, we really need to honor all these previous fights. Uh, but the good thing, again, is that, you know, now there's this uh, learning space, you know, it's it's not simple, but now there's our, there, there are more openness just to talk and just to express and just to try different ways of being a man, you know? And we need to also recognize the power of the youth, you know? They are challenging all these gender norms. They are yes. uh, experimenting with their own bodies and in the social movements, and they are really leading the way. And that's amazing, you know? I was talking with other young men a couple of weeks ago about gender and masculinities, and at the end, they told me, Rodri, this was amazing, but that's... We're, we, we don't feel that uh, we are sharing the same experience with you, you know? We are share, sharing some questions and some um, struggles and things like that, but at the same time, we feel that we have more freedom and that we are opening those spaces, you know, to really be an act, uh, uh, as in the way that we want to do it. So that was really good. That's the power of you, you know? They are... Uh, creating new ways and sometimes we felt threatened and we don't know how to respond to that but that's fine you know you can feel that in the air that something new is arising but it's always a crisis moment when something new is arising but yes. we still have <laughs> you know some moments and, and some uh, leftovers from the last uh, paradigms uh, but at the same time we have something new but we don't know how to name it so I think we are in that space right now you know Something new is forming, but we don't have uh, all the concepts and all the names and all the ideas. So we, right now, I think we have more questions than answers in terms of how to to create or support other forms of masculinity. Mm. And then sitting within those generational differences, as you talk about younger generations being more open, being more flexible, but 
not necessarily sharing the same vision with the older people in their families and how do they navigate those spaces, which is, I think, a common, something common in general with between generations, but around this issue in particular, it's interesting. So yeah, and we need, sorry, uh, we need interna intergenerational dialogue spaces, you know, because at the same time, we can, you know, uh, challenge each other. For example, I, I, I heard many, in many occasions that because I have a different uh, sexual orientation, I'm not a macho, you know? I'm not reproducing uh, a, a hegemonic masculinity or toxic mm -hmm. masculinity, and that's not the case, you know? You can have different sexual identities, but at the same, at the same time, you, you are reproducing the system in different ways. So we need, again, we need to have open spaces just to talk and just to listen each other listen to each other with love, but at the same time with love, challenge each other, you know, in some ideas that we that we have. Yes. And thinking about that, I know that in your work, you work with community-based organizations in Latin America. And as you're talking about young people, many of these are created and led by young people. And I wonder how do you broach this topic of masculinity? How does it come up? Is there any kind of process or reflection journey that you help facilitate? And what does that really look like in practical terms? Yeah, I think my first tip, and every time someone asks me, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I really want to do something, and I really want to promote healthy masculinities, how can I begin? I always tell him to the first, for me, and this is my, my personal opinion, of course, it's not, not saying that you're going to talk about gender and masculinity, mm. you know, because that, that can create like this defensiveness, this thing like, okay, I'm going to be preached because we have different power systems in our communities, acting in our communities, and one of them is this adult, adult centrism, this adult-centered perspectives, you know, and one thing that I, I learned also that I found out working with children and youth is that they are used to receive some training about gender or reproductive rights or things like that. But it's always just like an adult, like the expert, just sharing a list of do's and don'ts, you know, huh. and saying, yes, you are, you are a violent person. You can be a rapist. You can be a thief. You can be a, you know, so we're going to fix you, you know, because you are a potential rapist. And it's like, ugh, you know, that's not the right approach for me. So every time people ask me, okay, uh, are we going to talk about what or what, what's the, the objective of, of this space? It's like, let's talk about you. Let's talk about your life, you know? I think mm -hmm. the first and the most important thing is to create embodied processes, you know, to start and to, and to begin and to finish with people's own experiences. You know, because again, Corey, when people feel heard and valued, they are going to respond to that. You know, if you start to dig a little bit and say, please tell me how, how do you learn to, to be a man? Who teach you? How, how did you feel with that? You know, they, they always respond to that. You know? mm. In many occasions, I had the privilege to work in prisons 
uh, with with uh, professional boxers, with uh, migrant, with people involved in gangs, you know. And every time I share, these people tell me, "Wow, maybe I don't know how do you do it. It it, it sounds so difficult, but it's not. It's actually." For me, it's easier to talk about these issues with them because they have so many scars and so many wounds and so many examples of the negative impacts of toxic masculinity in their lives that you just need to ask the right questions. You know, mm. you just work around questions and you listen and you are always reinforcing this idea that this is not because you're crazy and, and you're not alone. You know, we're sharing these ideas and this, especially in Latin America, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm seeing that many, many of the men that I'm working with, they, they, they have lots, lots of very sad, very tough stories, you know, but they really need to share that. They really need to listen that, okay, it's not your fault, you know, and, and, and maybe it's not 100% the same situation that happened to me, but it's very similar. And I was at your age and in that moment and in that situation I was experiencing, I was having the same questions. So for me, that's the most important part because if we're just to create a training, you know, if we're just going to offer a masterclass on gender and masculinities, mm -hmm. you know, explaining concepts and explaining the laws and saying, please don't hit woman because that's bad because you, you shouldn't do that. It's like, you know, it's like, it's so far away, you know, it's so inhuman. I don't know how to say it, you know. So first you need to, to recognize the full and complex humanity of, of the other people. And then you can create a very powerful space just to talk and just to try to change because uh, I was reading last week, Corey, I was reading a, a, an amazing book uh, written by Bell Hooks, this black feminist. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and the name of the book, it, the name of the book is The, the Desire to Change, mm. you know? And it, 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 it talked about, uh, Bell Hooks is talking about men, about masculinities, about love. And, and she said something that I, I really, you know, I, I, I agree with that statement that uh, men, we are trying to change. We don't know how to do it. Sometimes we don't find we don't find enough space, enough support, but we are trying to change and we are making small changes in, in our lives, you know, uh, every day. One exercise that I, I, I always start a space to talk about healthy masculinities, asking this simple question, how do you how did you learn to be a man? Who teach you and how how did you felt with that? You know? And and, and please share a little bit about okay, uh, with these learnings, what did you do? With which learnings did you reproduce? With le which learnings did you did you say no? I, I don't want to do this, I don't want to repeat this. Um, which changes did, did you make in the in the in the process of becoming a man? And they always share very, very important uh, and significant um experiences but at the end of the day i started um all my spaces doing this because it's it's in a way just saying to these men 
you you learn how to be a man. It's not an essence. It's not nature. It's not something that God gave you. You know, it's not something given. It's something that you learn. And mm. if you learn that, you can always unlearn or learn new things. But at the same time, you took these learnings, but you do something different with them. You did something different with them, you know? So you are already making changes to these gender norms. I'm, I'm not asking you to do anything that you're not doing right now. We are not just, we're, we're not just robots, you know? We're not just taking the learnings and reproducing exactly. We are making changes. We're saying, no, I'm not willing to do this. I'm, I'm not willing to reproduce this learning. And that's very powerful, you know? Because in a way it's saying, it's saying men, it's reaffirming men. Yes, you can change because you are already changing, you know, all the time. Hmm. It's really powerful to think about those possibilities and how there can be a tendency to think about these gender norms and ways of being in the world as fixed. And I think when people realize, no, they're not, <laughs> as you're saying, yes. these are things that are learned and reproduced. And that's where that sense of freedom really comes in. And I wonder whether I'm sure that you've seen in the work that you've done with so many different kinds of men, have there been any particular any particular story that's stayed in your mind about some powerful change that you witnessed or you saw happen through uh, a man that you were working with in any of these groups or conversations? Yes, and that's one of the things that I love the most about about my work. You know that I'm seeing hope every day. I've been working. Uh, on he on healthy masculinities for almost ten years now, you know, and for me it's like I I I have to see some hope, you know, because if not, <laughs> I, I, at this point I, I I was just crazy, you know. I I can you know just you know give up and say no, this is not for me because I'm not seeing any significant changes, but I'm I, I, I do. You know, I, I, I'm seeing changes all the time. And I remember I used to work in a very small community-based organization in Chiapas, Mexico. And I work with indigenous children. And each year we prepare, we organize this, um, you know, this convening for children, for indigenous children and youth uh, in Chiapas. And I remember I, I was planning all the activities and I talked to my boss and I told him, I really want to talk about masculinities in this space. And he told me, no, you can't do this. Are you crazy? You know, <laughs> this is very dangerous. It's a very hard topic and you are not an indigenous person. And some of these children and youth, they don't, they don't even speak Spanish. So, uh, no, 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 you can't do it. And I, and I remember I, I told him, please give me this opportunity. You know, I took full responsibility of, you know, of the things that could potentially happen, but I really want to try this, you know? So he told me, okay, but this is on you, you know? And I was like, okay, yes, yes, but give, please give me the opportunity. So I remember I was working with with children of, you know, like, 10 years old from 17 years old. You know, it was a very diverse group. And we started with this exercise. Please um, 
make a paint or make a draw representing the man, the man or the man of your life. You know, representing the man that teach you how to become or how to be a man. Uh, it's not a portrait. You can, you know, you can draw an eagle. You can draw a fish. It's no. It, it's like a symbol. It's not. It's not a portrait. And and they did that. And you know, when we moved to the part of sharing, you know, all the learnings. I also I also told them, please also include, you know, how how did you feel with all these learnings? How did you feel? Which learnings did you reprodu reproduce? Which learnings did you stop or did you change? Please, let's, let's talk about that. Please include some ideas in your drawings. And then we start sharing. And okay, now I'm going to share, and this is my uncle, and I really admire him because he's a strong worker and blah, blah, blah. And I remember I, I, I was asking them, okay, but, uh, what is one thing that you don't like about your uncle? And these children told me, uh, I don't like the fact that he's always angry. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, let's move on. It's your turn. Yes, I want to talk about my father. Yes, I'm doing this. Okay, but what's the one thing that you don't like about your father? He's very angry. And I was like, okay, this is something that it's happening that we all shared, you know? And I remember I, I closed that, that moment just by asking, like, asking this open question. Okay, why do you think that women are always angry? Why do you think we're, we're angry all the time? Then we move on to another exercise called the mask of masculinity. So we created these beautiful masks, and on the external part, they have to put different meanings, words, uh, symbols that represent how do we need to act as men. You know, all these stereotypes and gender norms that we need to follow. And in the inner part, you need to put some ideas, thoughts, representations about how do you feel in real life with these norms, with these mandates. So we start talking and we start sharing. And at the end of the exercise, a very small children, I think he was five at the time, just grabbed me by the hand and, and, and told me, sir, sir, I know the answer to your question. <laughs> I know how, why my father is always angry. And I was like, wow, you know, to be honest with you, I, I, forgot, <laughs> I was forgotten about that question already. And I was like, really? Please share your, your, your thoughts with, with the group. And, and I remember he told me, yes, my father is always angry because he's always wearing a mask. Oh, wow. And I was like, you know, I, I remember that and I, I really want to, to cry because that was so powerful. And that, that was the moment, the exact moment when I realized, yes, we need to do this. You know, in, you know, just working two hours with this group of children and youth, they are sharing these reflections and they are sharing and they open about your life and they made commitments to change. You know, now I, I'm still involved with that, with that organization. We have a, a masculinity school for young men uh, and we've been working together for two years now. And I remember after six months, I was feeling so, you know, hopeless and a bit angry. I was like, wow, this is worthless. 
I don't think this is working. I'm not sure if they really care about mm. this, you know. But then we have a space to talk about, what, okay, what do you think you are changing in your own lives uh, as a result of this school? And when I was hearing all the stories, Corey, I was, again, I, I started to cry because they were sharing, like, now I, 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 I'm a better father. I, I'm a good I'm a good father to my to my little to my little child, you know, and I'm I'm pushing these changes in my communities, and I have a different relationship with my uh, with my partner or with my mother or with my father. And I was hearing many many powerful stories, inspirational stories. So, you know, for me, this is important. This, you know, it's it's a slow it's a slow process. It's It's not always, you know, happy. It can be painful. You can have different questions. You can have different moments. You can have ups and downs. But, you know, I'm always hearing stories of people saying, yes, I'm willing to change. Even people, you know, older people, people, uh, you know, of, you know, 60 years old telling me, I learned something today and I think I can change. And I think I can behave in a different way. I can start just by, you know, saying to my loved ones, I love you, you know, you are important to me. And for me, that's powerful. It's not enough. We always saying it's not enough because it's not just therapy. And that's important for mm. me to remark. You know, we are always trying to promote uh, public policy changes and it's important, you know, and this is a human right there. Uh, uh, and we all deserve a life free of violence, you know. So we need to translate these personal reflections into community changes. That's mm. a fact, you know. But if we don't start from the individual, it's going to sound like a bridge. It's going to sound, sound like a workshop and that's it, you know. So it's first we need to start to hear each other, relate to each other so we can change and transform our own communities. Yes, until people feel that connection with their own lives and are able to reflect on what these concepts mean for them, that's where it can really launch some powerful, larger change. Thanks for those really great stories. So I'm curious if someone is listening to talk and says, well, I'm not a facilitator, I don't have any training, any academic background in these issues, but I like to just take some steps in my own life, in my family and the people I love and care for. What would you, what would you tell someone like that who's just doesn't know quite where to begin? Yeah, that, that's a good question. And thank you, Corey. I'm not an expert, then that's important also to remark. It's not, it's not a magic a recipe, you know, it's not just a series of steps and I'm going to, you know, I, I'm not trying to to fool people and say, yes, this is going to be easy and it's just six steps and then you're a new man. It's not like that. Uh, but I, I would, I will tell these people that first, it's important to ask yourself questions about your own life. That's important to recover your own memory, you know, to reclaim the right to write your own history. And, and that's really important because every time I talk to men, we are very used to, you know, just function as machines. We mm -hmm. need to work, we need to do this, we need to, 
to 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 be responsible and this is all the things that I have to that I have to do and that's it. But we are not reflecting about the impact of our actions in 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 others and and in ourselves. You know, first it's important to embrace this um, this attitude of attitude of questioning everything and asking yourself questions and really see your own life. You know really be able to embrace these internal processes from seeing uh, and, and reflecting internally you know that's mm. really important if we don't do that if we if we're not willing to do that nothing is going to change it's hard because you know mm -hmm. from my own experience if i have to talk about you know past relationships or, or moments when i when when i act in a violent way It's hard to recognize that, you know, it's hard to say yes, no, because you tend to say, no, that was her fault. And I was just exercising my right. And, you know, <laughs> it, it, you, you, it, it's so easy to defend yourself in each situation when you cause pain, because no one wants to accept, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm creating pain. It's hard to recognize that. But you need to do that and not just for other, for, but for your own life, you know. Like sometimes uh, it's, it's important to say, yes, I have a drinking problem. It's not just I'm having fun. No, I'm just trying to cover some pains or some feelings with, with my drinking, you know, or I'm doing this because I'm not willing to talk about, about me, about my life, you know. Just recently and, and quickly, I, I want to share this, this moment with you, this story with you that I was talking to my mom, my mom. Uh, came to my house and she was crying and she told me Rodri I, I, I had a problem with my knee I, I'm going to require surgery you know and that was the first time that my mom told me as it, uh, and was in a situation like that you know for me my mother was always healthy and always with a lot of energy so I responded to that uh, with violence you know and I told I told her like, why? But you're not, you don't know how to take care of, of you and you're being irresponsible, but you know, it's your fault. And I was like, you know, and I remember uh, later in the night, I was like, uh, but why? Why, why? why did I act like that? You know, hmm. why did I respond like that? Why, why, why did I treat my, my mother like that? You know, and when I was thinking, I was like, yes, sure. I, I acted like that because I'm, I'm afraid. Mm. But, I, but when I was a little boy, some people told me, okay, the only emotions that you can share, it's feeling angry, you know, or, or feeling like uh, happy, you know. You can say that you're sad. You can express that. You can, you can express that you are scared, you know. So I used the only emotion that I know to express that I was feeling, you know, afraid of, 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 the, of my mom's surgery. So, but, but I, I came to that point and I realized that because I was willing to ask questions to myself and to really, you know, think about my behavior and, and about the things that I'm doing. And so that's the first step for me, is be willing to, to really reflect on your own life. 
And then it's just being kind, you know, it sounds so simple, but we need to embrace also kindness. We need to be kind. We really need to respect each other. We really need to think about, again, the impact of our words, the impact of our actions. We always need to remember that everyone is having their own struggles, you know? So just exercising compassion, exercising kindness, it's very, very important. And that's, I think, the core of these spaces with young men, you know? Some of them really get involved, you know, and, and start talking with other men and, and they are starting to do different things in their communities. And that's awesome, you know? But some other men are like, okay, I'm just going to be here for a moment or two and that's fine, but I, I, this is not for me. That's completely fine. But just offering them a space to open, to feel, again, value, to feel that, you know, their stories matter and that they can, you know, ask for support. That's very important, Corey. That's very, very important. And, and I know it sounds so simple, so romantic, but but again, it's for me, it's it, when I first started, I was feeling angry, you know, and I remember I was just telling men, we are the worst and we need to change <laughs> and we, you know, we need to feel ashamed of ourselves. And people responded to that just saying, nah, you're crazy. We don't care about this and even with violence sometimes, you know. And for me, it's like, okay, I need to change my approach. I need to change my strategy. How are you? How are you feeling today? You know, I, I, uh, in, in different moments, Corey, when I ask that question, that simple question, how do you feel? You know, people, people broke, you know, people start crying and saying, and, and every time I'm like, are you okay? What's happening? And lots of men told me it's the first time that someone asked me that in my mm -hmm. whole life, you know? So that was for me a very important piece of learning. It's very, very important to ask men, how do you feel? Yes, we are using violence. We, yes, we are exercising privilege. We're doing many, many things and we need to change that and we need to be accountable for our, action, for our, for our actions. Uh, but at the same time, we really deserve to have love and to feel here and, and, and to feel that our emotions have value, you know? Mm, and to be able to understand your own history and how certain ways of reacting and being have been imprinted somehow on you. And even your story about how with all of your awareness and all of your training that still you can react in a certain way that might be conditioned. So how can we bring that sense of awareness into these spaces that's really powerful exactly because when you when you first understand then you heal and then you rewrite your own story you feel powerful and you mm. feel inspired and you want to talk to other people and you want to inspire other people you know because you just found something very valuable you know and very meaningful so yeah that's really important if we can have the opportunity to heal and rewrite our own stories. That's very important. It's not that simple again, but it's for me, that's step number one. Yeah. And it really does go back to your point about 
crisis, the moment of crisis being also a moment of opportunity, because you see in the media stories about how, at least in the United States, about how mass murderers, majority is male and the sense of crisis. But yet within that, there is so much more that, as you're saying, a man can experience being fully human and being able to see that possibility can be so much more powerful than feeling like things are changing and the world is becoming smaller. So I think that's really interesting to think about. Um, so I'm wondering, is there a favorite book or resource that has been important to you that you would want to recommend for people who want to dig into this topic a little bit more? Yes, well, I, I just talked about this uh, book by Bell Hooks, The Desire or The Willingness to, to Change. It's a very powerful book because, again, uh, it frames all this work around love. And that's very important these days. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, be so, you can be cynical, you can be aggressive, you can be accountable. But for me, just framing masculinities around love and compassion that was very important for me that was very powerful also well i i love a a, a researcher yes an investigator an academic from chile it's working in in mexico also uh, called rodrigo parrini and he has different different um books and articles about masculinities um he talks about uh biographical uh breaks and that's very important you know he's always saying that we as men we need to really identify these moments of rupture this moment of breaks you know these fractures uh, on our own masculinity when we say stop and that's important. Every time you recognize and you do that, you are you are breaking cycles of violence and injustice and things like that. So Rodrigo Parrini is really good. He also has very good articles around sexuality and gender and sex and migration. He worked with uh, migrant men in in different parts of Mexico, and he 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 talked about uh, masculinity movement. And that's really uh, interesting for me, you know, because uh, just as women often um, migrate just to escape or to defy gender stereotypes, you know, uh, with men is quite the opposite. We're just moving just to fulfill so, some of these roles and, and, and stereotypes. Uh, and the Bible, the Bible of masculinities for me is, is masculinities. That's, that's the name of the book by Rye Connell. You know, she's an expert. She's, she's from Australia, but she really, you know, was, I think, one of the first ones just making an effort to really create concepts and theory around masculinities. But he's always also working with different groups of men, you know, it's not just theory, it's it's ethnography and he's always approaching to different movements and perspectives and groups of men. So that's that's very important. And I always, I, I, I have to recommend also read feminist, um, feminist writers, you know, and not just theory, but also, you know, Maya Angelou, 
taught me a lot about feelings and emotions and race and masculinities and Chimamanda and Cosi Adichie and, and her book Americana, you know, uh, and Rosario Castellanos uh, here in Mexico, uh, Mariana Enriquez, you know, just it's it's very very um, for me it's it's quite an adventure just to try to understand different worlds and different perspectives of women, you know, and different experiences. That's really also powerful and important, you know. I was asking these questions to some of my friends, my men friends, and I was asking them, okay, but what's your favorite female writer? And they were like, well, uh, I don't read female female writer. I just read, you know, things that uh, other men uh, wrote. Mm. And I was like, wow, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's like for me just reading uh, books written by 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 women, it's it's that that's powerful. Um, that's powerful for me, um, and and yes, I can I can. Well, in in Mexico, we have a, well. It, this is uh, another uh, uh, researcher from Chile, Jose Olavarria. Also, I have a very good friend called Dario Ibarra. That uh, Dario has this concept around uh, conscient uh, sexuality, you know, and he's always talking about how. Are we acting and how how men uh, understand sex and, and how how are we understanding our own bodies and how do we need also to to heal that and to be really uh, reflective and, and really cautious and, and how we use our own bodies how we understand our own bodies so yeah that's another good uh, recommendation in case you want to learn a bit more about masculinities. Mm, well, I think those resources will be plenty to help people <laughs> kind of take them on uh, an even deeper journey. And finally, I know that creative expression is something important to you in your life. You, you started out talking about dancing and ballet and in your early life. And I know you enjoy writing. And I wonder if there is a piece of writing that you would like to share with us that touches on any of the themes that we've been talking about um yes i can do that but it's going to be in spanish i don't know if that's a problem or no that's fine um but do you want me to like to write the the, the whole thing or just talk about it how do you do you like to do it Corey? is it a poem or well, I, I'm actually I'm I, I, I I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm writing a book, mm -hmm. and it's a book about uh, migration. It call it 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 is called Limits, and and it's just uh, a series of short stories, you know. And my intention is just I'm just trying to capture the fugacity of the borders, you know. Because when you so Rudy, uh, I think we'll stop. We'll stop. Okay. We'll redo this then. So I okay. think what's better is we'll redo that one question. What I think is better is that I just ask you to tell me about the book you're writing, and you just can describe it a little bit, and we'll leave it with that. Does that sound okay? Yeah, uh, that that sounds fine. It's it's a story, Cory. But it's a bit long and it's going to be in Spanish. So yeah, maybe okay. I can just talk about the yeah, book. Yeah, just talk about and, it. Okay. And, they, and, and the, 
like the intention of the narrative behind one of okay, the stories. Okay, perfect. If that's okay with you. Yep, that's perfect. So we'll end with that. So, Rodri, I know that creative expression is something important in your life. You talked about wanting to do ballet as a child, and I know you really love writing. Are there any creative projects these days that you're involved in that touch on any of the themes that we've talked about? Yes, Corey. I'm actually writing a book right now. Ah. Yeah, it is a book about uh, migration. Uh, I was, I, I had the privilege of leaving the borders in the Mexican and Guatemala, Mexico and Guatemala border for a couple of years. So the, the objective behind this book is just trying to capture these short stories, you know, because sometimes you just have five minutes to share your whole story with one person, with, with one stranger. But you have to do that, you know, because you're moving, because again, you need to feel that your life matters. So you have five minutes to share, you know, and to convince other people that your story matter. So I, I, I heard lots and lots of stories. And many of these stories uh, had to do with, with gender. I remember I was working in a shelter and I had the chance to talk with a boy. He was a 13-year-old boy. And, and I remember that he told me, uh, sir, I, I really... I really want to talk to you. Uh, I need to ask you some questions. And I was like, sure, sure. Let's go here and, and this, wherever you need. And he told me, I need your help because I, I really, I, I want to be normal. And I was like, mm, I don't think I, I understand you. I'm understanding you. Uh, what do you mean? You're normal, you're just like me. What, what, what do you mean you're human, you know? We are different, but we are people. We, You know, there's no such thing as normality also, you know? But he was like, no, the, the, the thing is that I'm gay. And and he started sharing his your life story, you know, and all the situations that he... He experienced with with her parent, with with his parents, and with his community, and with his with his church, and it was so hard to hear. Corey, I remember that he told me yes when my parents um, found out that I'm gay. They took me to the priest, and he he made an exorcism with me, mm -hmm. and I was like, "But what do you mean?" Yes, uh, they give me electric shocks and they beat me. And I was like, wow, you know. So for me, just having the opportunity to talk to these young men and we share many, many moments and situations. And I, I had to convince them in a way that you are normal. It's not your fault, you know. And it's good. You you have all the right in the world to to, to try to look for a better life. But it's not your fault. You know, you don't need to un to adjust or you don't need to uh, fulfill uh, anyone's expectation, you know? Yes, you, 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 you can be a man, you can feel as a man and you, have, you can have a different preference and that's fine, you know? So for me, in that moment, I really understand that um, gender is everywhere, you know? And, and gender really marks our, our lives and our bodies. 
So I'm not going to read the whole story because it's a bit, you know, I don't want to depress people. Uh, and, and yes, I, I love to write poems, to do some uh, collages. I do collages uh, and, and paintings. And, uh, you know, I, I love art. I love art and I'm so glad, I'm so grateful that I can use art in my, in my daily work. You know, just having questions and working with young people and in these spaces, the men that I work with, they are doing uh, music and and dance and paintings and things like that. So, yeah, I think art, it's a very powerful way to start uh, and to reflect and to really, you know, think about you and your own life and to put that and to create something beautiful with that, that uh, even with pain. That, that is really, really beautiful, Corey. And just a small commercial, a small announcement, but we are about to launch a campaign, you know, on a regional campaign on healthy masculinity. It's called Cuidarnos Hace Bien, to take care of each other does good. And um, if you can follow us in Instagram, it's uh, Cuidarnos Hace Bien. But we are, you know, sharing different artistic artistic pieces that we are creating. I, I did an infographic about care, labor, and masculinities and a collage with a small heart. And the title is To Take Care, to take care of Each Other, uh, Heal Our Hearts. So, so yeah, art is very, very, very important. And we are doing plays and music. So please follow us and Global Food for Children. And you're going to to look and, and you're going to see all these amazing arti artistic pieces that we are creating together. Thank you, Rodri. We'll look forward to seeing that campaign and also to reading your book when it comes out. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for inspiring other people with what's possible in changing gender norms and stereotypes. No, thank you so much, Corey, for, for the space and, and for your ki kindness. And again, it's it's just uh, as simple as being kind and, and as complex at the same time as being kind and, and, and just be willing to hear yourself and hear each other and find ways to to change, realizing that you are not alone in, in, in that quest and in that search and in that fight. Thanks for listening to Roots and Sparks. For comments or questions about this episode or suggestions about future guests, please reach out to Corey Oser on LinkedIn or Instagram and follow Roots and Sparks on your favorite podcast platform.